Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to church. So glad that you guys are here. Yeah, so again, all that info, just check that out online. We're going to have a bunch of fun this morning. Who's ever had a question? Raise your hand. If you ever had a question about the Bible, raise your hand. Okay, who's ever read something in the Bible and thought that doesn't make sense? Raise your hand. All right, well, this series is for you. This is what we've been in. Uh, this is our Q&A series, and this year we entitled this Asking for a Friend, because it doesn't have to be your question even. Uh, so we got one more week of this. This will conclude next week, and then we'll start a relationship series as we come around uh, Valentine's Day and, and all of that. But, so we got two more weeks of this, so you still have some time to get your questions in. Uh, whether you're in the room or online, that phone number is 616-379-9293. And I'm going to start uh, this morning. I am, I am solo, no Becca. Um, she's home with some kids that weren't feeling great. Um, but they are, just so you know, my kids do share. Um, we know that because it just kind of bounced around between them, uh, which is so much fun. So much fun. But she's home with them, um, but she says hello and always misses it when she's not here. But I'm just going to kind of jump in. These are, these are your questions. And we start with the first one, and here's what it says. It says, why don't Christians celebrate the Sabbath? I've heard it's because of the new covenant. I don't see that in Scripture. I have friends that do. Um, and we've got lots of different questions around, around this one. Okay, love the question, which is why I'm answering it. If I didn't, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be on here. But let's start. Romans chapter 10, verse 5 says this. says, one person esteems a day above another. Another esteems a day, every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Verse 6, who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and who, he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe the day. Now, a principle that we want to do is, is as, we, as, as we look at the Bible, we always want to look at the Bible as a whole. We don't want to just pick and choose a verse. And be like, well, there's this one verse that says this one thing. So, I mean, God told man to go out and multiply. So I probably shouldn't get married and I should probably sleep around and that's the best way to multiply. But that doesn't work. Some of you are laughing. Some of you are like, I hope he's not serious. And someone just covered their face like, I can't believe he said that. Well, but you can get that far off if you just take a single verse and you take it out of context. Um, so what we want to do is we, wanna, we always go to the Bible and we want to find scripture that covers a question. Uh, and of course, we want to interpret the Bible with the Bible, which is why we don't just take one scripture and be like, look, it says this. Um, so we want to know what the Bible has to say about the subject. Now, Sabbath. It says here in Romans that one person esteems a day and another esteems every day alike. And he's like, hey, uh, let whoever it is be fully convinced in what it is that they are doing. Um, but this is a great question. And it's actually one of the questions that the early church had is they're like, hey, we're saved by grace. Do we have to follow these laws? Like, what are, what are we supposed to do? Because... The, the Jews, man, it wasn't just the Ten Commandments. There's some 600, and if I'm remembering right, 630 some odd commandments. 
In the Old Testament, it's like, hey, you can't do this, can't side sideburns, and, and it's like, okay, well, how much of these are we supposed to do, and how much are we not? So they sent, and they're like, hey, we've got, we've got non-Jews, Gentiles, what they're called in your Bible, who are getting saved. And we understand that it's by grace because of what Jesus did. It's not something that we earned, but what should we do? Should they follow these rules? Like, what is it? And so they sent a group to the apostles, and they said, hey, what do we need to do? And that's actually found in your Bible in Acts. And the early church leaders got together and said, okay, what do we need to do? Here's the answer. Acts chapter 15, verse 28. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us to lay on you no greater burden than these few things, these few requirements. Verse 29. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. (laughs) He's like, there you go. Um, It is not the law that we are meant to follow. Um, Now, he does list some things here. He says, but here's what you need to do. Abstain from eating food offered to idols. It's a matter of conscience, as we read here in Romans. To one person, it's a day, and to another, um, they esteem a day very much. And here, here, here's what that's talking about in Romans. I want to bring those two, those two verses together. If, if, if somebody believes in their heart that to drink this water is wrong, but what they choose to do is drink this water, God's like, look, in their heart, they have sinned. So let me read Romans again. One person esteems a day above another. Another esteems every day alike. He says, let each be fully convinced in his own mind. And this is something I think, it's kind of interesting, but when, when our hearts when our hearts are turned away from God and we're like, I believe with all of my heart that is 100% wrong, that I should not be doing this, that God, you do not want me doing this, but I choose to walk away from what I believe even when I'm wrong, God's like, look, it's then wrong for you to do that. It is wrong. Now, looking at me like a cow at a new gate, like that doesn't make sense. Like what's going on here? What is this thing? Well, it goes on, and as we read in Acts, he's like, look, we do not, we're saved by grace. It's not a bunch of laws that we need to follow. He's like, look, don't be doing some of this stuff. But at the same time, I say that, and I bring that up because we live in an area where there are many people, remember, we had a neighbor who just would not, would not go outside on Sunday, wouldn't mow his lawn on Sunday, wouldn't do anything on Sunday. My kids are outside playing. His grandkids are there looking outside You know, they're in the windows looking at my kids running around and having fun. And I I believe that's one of those situations where what it says in Hosea 4, 6, where it says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Jesus says, it was for freedom that I came to set you free. So don't let yourself then again become a slave to sin. And where we need to know what God's word has to say, but we also need to have grace for somebody who was raised or taught or believes different than we do and be like, well, here, you need to know what God's word has to say. There's some freedoms that you're not enjoying. 
So understand what God's word has to say and treat it with, with some, treat them with some respect because he's like, look, be fully convinced whatever it is. But the reason why I do not do that, again, we'll, we'll read this again. Colossians 2.16 says this. So do not let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days, new moon festivals, or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. So do not let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or worship of angels, saying that we've had these visions or things, their sinful minds have made them proud. He's like, look, um, it might sound holy to deny yourself and, and be like, I, I don't do this. He's like, but we don't, we don't follow that. You don't, don't let somebody condemn you for any of that. But again, I know many people who, because of how they were raised, it's, they're just like, I can't do it. Um, Years ago, uh, our youth group was growing, and, and uh, they built this big, big youth room, and they're like, one of the things we're going to do is they put pool tables in the youth room. And, and when they did that, some people at the church were like, um, there should not be pool tables here. And I remember hearing that, and I was just like, why? Like, that makes no sense to me at all. It's a pool table. Like, you hit balls around. Uh, that makes no sense to me. And they were very upset that the church was putting pool tables in the youth room. And I was like, I do not get this. My dad's just like, well, pool halls and what that represented to them and what happened in those pool halls was bad. And so they kind of associated it with this. And he's like, they, to them, that's a big deal. I remember just thinking to myself, I'm like, that is so stupid. Okay, I'm a little kid. I'm just, I'm, I'm young. I'm like, this, this, it just does not make sense to me. And then we were, we were in, in, the, uh, in that room, and it all, it all gets built, and, and it was great. It was the ground floor over there at, at Res Life. And I think at the time, we had like 20-something pool tables in there. And I'm in there, and my uncle comes in. I'm like, hey, will you play pool with me? And he's like, no. But he says it kind of like, Ugh. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, bad day uncle. Like, all right, you're going to be the bad uncle now. I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, so I see him a little bit later. I'm like, and no one else was in there. We were early for something because if, you're, if you are 30 seconds early, you're actually late. Like, that, 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 was, that, was, that was it growing up. Like, we, you might get left, but my dad wasn't going to be late. So you, you were just always early. We were super early for something. I'm trying to get my uncle to play, and he just would not play with me. And finally, he comes out, and my, grand, my, my dad comes over, and he's like, He's like, your uncle, he's like, he, he will not play. He will not play pool. He's fine with other people playing pool, but he will not play pool because of, and he's like, he's one of those, like, it's evil. It's evil in his mind, and he's like, he just can't get over it. So the Sabbath, do you have to follow it? The answer is no. In fact, the Bible says if you, wanna, if you think you're going to be made holy by following part of the law, then you better follow every inch of the law. He's like, that, that's not it. He goes, it does not do it. But I bring some of that stuff up just simply so that you will have some grace because he says, if you are fully convinced of something and in your heart you believe it, then he's like, don't do it. He's like, don't do it. Um, let, me, let me say, it's kind of like, kind of like if, 
if I decide that I'm going to kill someone, and in my mind, I'm actually going to kill them, say I'm going to shoot them, but the gun that I was given doesn't actually shoot anything. It, it cannot shoot. But I, but I plan the whole thing out, and I find my little spot, and I sit, and I hide, and I wait, and they come around the corner, and I pull a gun, and I go to shoot them, and the gun doesn't work. We call that attempted murder because it's like, it didn't work, but you sure tried to do it. It's like, and maybe everybody else knew that the weapon that I had would never actually kill anybody. It was a fake. It had an orange tip and shot little rubber bullets. But I didn't realize it. Would I have crossed the line? The answer is yes. Yes, I would have crossed the line, even though I didn't actually do anything. So our hearts still need to be in the right place. So what do I, what do I say to, to folks that are like, well, I do need to... Re- do need to follow the Sabbath. I'm like, here, here's some scriptures that I think you should read. Here's why I don't. Then we talked to our neighbor and um, it didn't go well, but I was like, hey, here's, here's why we don't. Because he's like, hey, my grandkids come over and they see your kids out there playing. And I'm like, here's why I'm not going to let you put that on us. And, and, I, and I said, I can show you some scriptures. And he wasn't really interested. And I was like, okay. Um, We want to know what God's Word has to say and build our lives around that. Okay, next one. Um, A lot of people have good relationships and marriages, great life, that do not know God. How do I explain or show them the importance of God in relationships and life when what they seem to be doing is working? Um, first off, let me say this. This question came in a couple different ways. Now, when it, when it comes to marriage, every successful marriage that you see, they are living biblical principles, whether they have drawn them from the Bible or not. There's forgiveness. There's love. There's caring for each other. It, they are. They most definitely are. Um, but I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said this, he said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are too easily pleased. Um, Anytime. And in any area of life where somebody seems to be what we would call, and we'll just say successful, there is this lie that comes into every one of our hearts and minds that just says, well, do I need God? I mean, everything's going okay. To every marriage and every life, the lie the devil says is, you don't need God. But the truth is, and this is one of those things where it's like, man, I wish that we could all see, and part of what we do is we get to explain, and this is one of the reasons why I think when trouble does hit, people are so quick to run to God, is because the, the house of cards that they have built that they thought was so strong simply comes crumbling down. 
But it's just this whole, how much better could it be and would it be if we did it God's way? To those great marriages, I'm like, but, but imagine how good it would be if you did it God's way. You think it's good now, what if you did it God's way and God blessed what you did? It's also one of the things I think is so powerful about tithing is because we, we get to see when we do honor God what he does with the rest, and it defies math. It defies logic, and we're like, if God was faithful in that, what, could I, what would happen if I, if, I, if I applied that same principle in another area of my life where I honored God, and even though it doesn't make sense in this relationship, but I am going to lay my life. I am going to forgive. I am going to serve. I am going to put them first. I am going to seek first again. And, and we watch and we, kind of, we, we, we build that up. We're like, well, if it worked in this area, it's going to work in this area. And, it's, and really, that domino effect comes in, comes in. Where it's like, well, it worked in this area, and it worked over here with this relationship, so now I'm going to try it over here. And, and okay, I'm going to take this to, biz, to my business, and I'm going to run my business this way, and I'm going to change the way I view customers and how I'm serving. It's not what I'm getting from them. It's what I can do for them. And we're going to watch what happens. Um, but that's really, it can be, and, and it's crazy, but I love the way that C.S. Lewis said it. He says, we're too easily satisfied. Because I believe with all of my heart that God, what God has for us is so much better than anything that we can get without him. Anything that we can get without him. Isaiah 55, 8 says it this way. My thoughts are not, they're, they're nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. He's like, I don't, I don't think like you. He's like, it's way better. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Um, it's totally, totally different. So honestly, um, if you're talking with someone and they're not, they're not listening, you're, you're trying to convince them that they need God and they don't, I think that the very best way that we can witness to those people is they, they witness our lives. They see the way that we live. And they finally just call. And they call out of the blue and they're like, hey, I'm, I don't know what it is, but man, every, every time and I'm putting on this front or I look like this, but can I just tell you, I see that you, there's something different about you and what is it? I've gotten those out of the blue calls from those people where you're like, is, is it working? Let me just encourage you, our life is the biggest testimony. It's the biggest witness that you can have, where you just keep on living right. You just keep on doing it right, and then all of a sudden they call, and they're like, hey, why is this different? What, what is going on? Um, so that would, I, that would be what I would encourage you to do. And if you're here, and that's you, man, hey, what God has for you is so much better. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Watch what happens when you begin to honor God in your life. Okay, next one is, how, as a young believer, do I distinguish who the Lord wants me to have in my life? Specifically, romantically, how do I choose? <laughs> I got this question, and, like, and like, I, don't know, I was like, oh my goodness. I love it. But then I'm like, I'm like, the dad in me is like, well, I'll tell you how you choose. You bring him to church, number one, and then you introduce him, number two, and then I can tell you, number three. No, no, no. But, but honestly, how, how do I choose? 
Um, I think this is such a good question because, well, number one, um, if you are single, remember this, there is no such thing. Everybody say no. No. That wasn't quite good enough. Everybody say no like your two-year-old's about to drop your phone off of a cliff. Everybody say no. No. There we go. Come on. There is no such thing as missionary dating. Okay? No such thing as missionary dating. Okay? Uh, The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, do not be yoked together with an unbeliever. Do not be unequally yoked. Okay, here's what that means. You do not team up with an unbeliever. You do not team up in business. You do not team up in life with an unbeliever. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Okay, not the same thing. So the, the bar is super low. The bar is they need to be a believer. Remember this, there's no such thing as as missionary dating. Now, I say that knowing that there's people in this room that are like, well, you know, I kind of was, and we, and here's what the Bible says. Bad company corrupts good morals. Do not, do not missionary date. And missionary date is, well, I know they're not, they don't really love God now, but they will, and I'll bring them to church, and, and we'll see. No, no, don't. Do it. So that's, that's number one. But again, that, that bar is that they need to be a believer. But they need to be a believer. But that bar is incredibly low. And it's like you can trip over the thing. And you really can. So what would I say? What do I tell my kids and, and when, when it comes to that? You know, the Bible says that it is better to live on the corner of a roof than with a nagging wife. Like, it, it can be not great. I think marriage is I think one thing is, is when you see and you grow up in a house where marriage has been done right and mom and dad love each other, you think it's easy. You're like, wow, this, is, this, would, this would just be great. And I'm just going to find it. It's going to be like mom and dad. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be wonderful. Um, so what I would encourage you to do is get around some people. Get around some people that can help you make that decision. If you have godly parents... Um, Get, get their opinion on the person that you're dating. Uh, if you've got some people in your life group uh, that, that you know real well and they know you, you, you introduce them to them because we are never more foolish than when we're Twitter-pated. We, we, we don't, you want to watch somebody make some really bad choices? <laughs> uh, we are never more foolish. It's the reason I, okay, I'm, I'm a hunter and the best time to hunt is when it's mating season. That's when it is. Like, I, my, my brother-in-law, I took him out turkey hunting one time. And so we, we go out and we're in this little ground blind. So we're sitting in this ground blind and, and he's got a gun. And he hadn't, he's from Australia, so he hadn't done a lot of hunting. But what I do is I get a little call and I got this little box and it sounds like a female turkey. So it's just like this little... So I, I like, I call this thing and we're just sitting there and we don't hear anything. And all of a sudden we hear off in the distance. And I'm like, you're coming. And he's like, really? I'm like, oh yeah. So I'm like, I, I get him ready and I, I give him my gun and he's got this 12 gauge, three and a half inch super mag, like 
we're, we're going to blast this thing, okay? Like, it's not going to suffer, is what I'm trying to say. Like, it's, it's just going to die quick. So, so we're calling, and I, I, I call again, and these turkeys start coming in. Well, what is it? It's a bunch of toms, boy turkeys, coming into a hen, a girl turkey, talking. And I'm like, kuh, kuh, kuh. and we hear them gobbling again, and they're coming. So he sets up, and it's like four or five toms come in. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I'm sitting in there, and I'm like, they come back and go, shoot them. So all of a sudden, he's sitting there, and boom, he shoots. And we look, and he missed. And so the turkeys start running off. And he's like, oh, no. And I go, shh. So I grab that box, and I go, and those things pop their heads up. They turn around and come right back where they just got shot. And so they come back in again, and I'm like, he goes, what do I do? I go, shoot it. So boom, he shoots again, misses. They turn around, and I'm like, it worked before, so I call th the third time. I call again. All three of them turn around and come back. And I'm like, I don't know what I said, but it was some seriously dirty turkey talk. Like, <laughs> they, they just came back. They come back. Tim misses a third time. I call again. They turn around, and I go, give me the gun. Boom! <laughs> Shoot that thing. Drops dead. We get out there. And, and he had hit this turkey. It had a whole naked side of it. He blasted all the feathers off this thing. It's still turning around and coming back after being shot over and over and over. And you're like, man, what a dumb turkey. We're not so different. We really aren't so different. I would just really encourage you, if you are in that stage of life, number one is you date because, and you get romantically involved with someone because you're ready to get married. If you're not ready to get married, um, don't do that. If you plan on getting married at 16, then that might be a good time to start dating. Uh, get romantically involved at 16. If you're not planning to get married at 16, I would encourage you not to. The Bible says, do not awaken love until the time is right. And I think there's a grave danger in I'm going to get romantically involved with people before I am ready to get married. If you find someone that you like and you're 16, then be friends. You're 15, 14, 13, 10, not whatever. Just be friends. But I would encourage you that if you're not ready to get married, to not awaken love, the Bible says. And to just, just be friends. And you're like, that'll never work. Okay, then don't be friends. But it can. I've seen it. I've seen people. I, I did youth for years, and we went on a trip and went out to Montana, took a whole bunch of kids, and this 13-year-old that was in my youth group's like, wow, this girl's great. And I'm like, yeah, she seems really cool. The next year, we go on that same trip, and she's there, and he's there, and they're friends. And, and he's like, man, I still think she's cool. I'm like, I do too. He's like, what should I do? I'm like, be friends. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. So 15, 16, he gets his driver's license and I'm getting ready to leave youth group and his car's in the parking lot. And it's a little bit late. So I zip over there and open the door as fast as I can. And there he is and he's on his side and there's three or four people in the car that are just sitting there talking, and it's this guy and that girl that he wanted to be friends with. He's like, we're just talking. And I'm like, good, just making sure that's what you were doing. <laughs> I'm sure that's what you were doing. 
But, but that was it. And they were friends, 16, 17, and he went off to college and starts talking to dad and, hey, I'm here, what can we do? And I want to get married and this. And, and they're married and they've got three kids now and it's an absolute riot. And got, the, the wonderful story of their testament of their, their relationship is they were friends. They did a lot of stuff with a lot of people and where many people do not have, today, I look at them and their life and they have an abundance of rich relationships of friends, because they hung out with friends. They didn't, and this is not something that I really saw as a benefit and I really anticipated, but the fruit of what they did and many of their friends who chose to do the same thing did, the fruit of it was they have today great so many awesome relationships with people that they were just friends with in high school and friends with in college. Instead of, well, I'm breaking this friend group because I'm over here with this, these people trying to do this romantic number to break this friend group because now I'm over here with this and, and we're going to switch this all around. Um, I'll just, I, I just say that whole story just to tell you it can be done. It can be done. The Bible says, do not awaken love until it is time if you are in that season. Uh, it, it is the time that we make, we are the most blind. The Bible says that love covers over a multitude of sins. Like, we, it, just, it just blinds us to a lot. We're far more like those turkeys than we want to admit. Um, if you have godly parents, talk to your parents. Be like, hey, meet them. What do you think? Do you see something that I don't see? Do you see any, any red, red flags? If it's not your parents... Um, find, find someone else. Find somebody else. Um, I think it's super important that those that love us love those that we love. That those that love you and know God meet them and think yes. Get to know them and think yes. I would say, the Bible says that it's from a plethora of advisors that victory is sure. And there is the only, the only decision bigger than who you marry is your decision to follow God. The other, the next biggest decision that you will ever make is who you marry. There is no perfect person. There's no perfect person. I'm not saying that there is, but Get advice on making that decision. It needs to be a believer. It needs to be a believer. Make sure that those who love God and love you, love them too. You need people in your life who will say things to you that you disagree with. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. That's a sincere friend that comes up to you and is like, look, I see what's going on. They're tearing you away from the things of God. I watch what you're doing. You're not attending church. You're not coming to the Bible studies anymore. You're not here. The things that I'm seeing coming out of you, the, things, the fruit that I'm seeing of this relationship, it isn't good. And it says the wounds of a friend because it can hurt. It can hurt when somebody says things. It's like, you need to change what you're doing. And you're like, mm, I don't want to. It says the wounds of a friend can be hurt. That they're better than, than the kisses of an enemy, the lies that somebody else would tell you, the things that seem so sweet. 
And I hope that you have people in your life like that. We're getting ready to start our small group season. Um, it's a great way to get to know some people, get around some people, grow, get around some other people who are hungry for the things of God. They're going to start up in February if you want to host one. Um, there's still lots of time for that. If you're interested in getting involved in one, they're going to be popping up on the website coming up this next week. I really encourage everybody to get in there. It's one avenue, um, but it's a great way to just get with some people and to grow, to have people in your life that will tell you things like, hey, this isn't good. Again, no missionary dating. Uh, it says this in, in 1 Kings about, about King Solomon. It tells us that Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. But guess what Solomon's downfall was? 1 Kings 11.4. For it was so that when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart after other gods. Now, the first thing that should stand out is that I said, wives, uh. okay, yes, we don't do that. That is, that is no good. Bell says it's the two that become one, and he was in the wrong, I mean, he had a thousand. There was some issues. But it says that that's what turned his heart. It was the relationships that he had that turned his heart away from God. Um, be, be so very, very careful um, about who it is that you allow into your life. I think I have time for one more question. And I'm going I'm to hit this one. It says this. Uh, we got this one, in, and again, in, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but, but the gist of the question was, um, what happens if somebody takes their own life? They were a Christian. What what happens? Um, I was at a youth conference, a conference for youth pastors years ago, and uh, one of the leaders was answering this question, and he goes, well, um, if I'm at the funeral, they're going to heaven. If I'm in the youth group, they're going to hell. And I remember sitting there thinking, like, mm, I understand what you're, like, that you're kind of joking because you don't want people to do that. But it is a very serious question, and especially when it's someone that you've loved, that you're like, what is, do I know on this side of eternity? Can we know on this side of eternity? What, what does God's word have to say about it? Well, Ephesians 2.8 says this, God saved you by grace. And I'm gonna give you my opinion, and you can disagree with me, but I'm gonna give you my opinion, I'm gonna tell you why I believe what I believe. Ephesians 2, verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. It's nothing that you do. You did not earn it in any way, shape, or form. Um, let me ask you a question. If I'm driving down the road on the way home, and I see that a car comes over the center line, I see at the last minute, car comes over the center line, we're about to hit dead on. But instead of crying out Jesus, I yell some four-letter word. Get in that accident and I die. Does yelling that four-letter word condemn me to hell? No. No, I don't believe that it does. I'm saved by grace. It's not works. It is not works. Are any of us perfect? No. Did any of you get saved and become perfect? Raise your hand, please. 
No. Coming to God is saying, God, I can't do it right. I made mistakes. I'm making mistakes. Help me to not make mistakes. God, I need you. I lose my temper when I shouldn't. And I shouldn't, and I know I do. I'm drawn to things that I shouldn't, and I want to let them go. I do things that I don't want to do. I don't do the things that I want to do. God, I've made my life a mess. I need you. So what do I believe when it comes to this? I believe that if somebody commits suicide, that it is a, we'll say it's a, you you could even, even say that it's like a disease in somebody's mind, that they're not doing well when they make that decision. And I do not believe that disqualifies them. Somebody that has made Jesus the Lord of their life, that in that second, that that disqualifies them, it is grace. And I believe that if they were a Christ follower, a Christian, that they will be in heaven. That is what I believe. And that just because they pulled that trigger, they jumped, they made that decision, they did whatever that thing that they did, I don't believe that it undoes what God has done for them. I really don't. Another way of saying it is this. If I jump out of an airplane without a parachute, all the way down, you know what's gonna happen? I'm gonna die. Mo 99.99% chance. I'm gonna die. I'm killing myself, but I'm not dead yet. Um, Every one of us is gonna die. Some of us are doing things, eating things, not exercising, exercising too much, exercising. All all these things that we are doing are are changing that date. Some of the things that we do push that, that that natural death date a little further away. Some of us, the way that we drive brings that death possibility maybe a little bit closer. Uh, Some of us, it's our recreation and the things that we do. Um, So I say all that to kind of bring into context, it is a gift. It is by God's grace. It's nothing that we do that we deserve it. Do I believe that someone is in their right mind when they do it? No. No. Because God's word says says that he came to give us life and life to the fullest. Do I believe that someone has believed a lie at that point? Yes. But do I believe that we will see them in heaven? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Because it is by his grace we're saved. It is what he did. There's no scale. There's no right and wrong. He took care of it all. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to close this morning by just making sure that every single one of you, you know where you stand with God. Maybe you thought that I have one day I'll have done enough right and maybe this is what will do it. It'll outweigh the bad. Maybe you've thought about scales. Maybe you've been in and out of church a thousand times, but you've never made that decision. Maybe you know scriptures and you know all of this, but you also know that you don't have a relationship with him. You've never received his grace. You've been trying to earn what you can only receive. That's you, then today's the day I encourage you to make, make today the day that you receive what he did for you. And begin to walk with him. Begin to, begin to live the life that he has for you. If that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. Whether you're in this room, wherever you are, if that's you at the counter, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Right now, lift it up and say, today's the day I'm giving my life and my heart to him. I want to serve him with all my heart, soul, and mind. Everybody safe on your way to heaven. I love it. 
Well, God, we come before you and we just thank you for your word. God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, we thank you that you do not hide from questions. God, when we have doubts, we can run to you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all you're doing. We ask you to lead us and guide us in all that we're doing. And as we leave this place, we are your hands and feet. Give us boldness to speak and to say and to do all that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.